Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Blessings with Selene. It is such an honor for me that you're listening, and I want you to know that I never take that for granted. I know how valuable time is, and to make time to listen to my show just means a lot to me. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Today, I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and that you were able to spend time with your loved ones while enjoying good food. I've always thought that it's such a beautiful tradition to hold, to dedicate one day a year to publicly and privately get in touch with our gratitude. Of course, coming from Venezuela, we did not have that tradition, but since living in the U.S. for the past 40 years, I have come to cherish this particular one. Now, I've heard people say from time to time that we should give Thanksgiving every day, but the way I look at it is that one day a year is better than none, and I have always had an abhorrence the word should. So it feels to me a little bit judgmental, but what do you think? At this point, I want to let you know that my show is open to any comments or questions that you may have. All you need to do is call this number, 646-378-0378. So I hope that you do, because I would love to hear from you. So today I would like to share with you what this time of the year does for me. It makes me turn very reflective and very nostalgic. Of course, it was during this time that my son Christopher died. In fact, it happened the day after Thanksgiving. So it will make sense for me to turn inwards at this time. But even, even before he was diagnosed and before he died, the fall and winter seasons have had that effect on me. And when winter comes, I feel like a bear who goes into hibernation and does not come out until the spring. I believe that my soul, my spirit, welcomes the opportunity to experience quiet and to have less activity so that it can get in touch with where it is, where, where it is at, where my soul is at, and where does it need to go. Because of this, when the fall time arrives, I turn to reflection to get in touch with how I am feeling so that when New Year's Eve comes, I can write down in little slips of paper my intentions for the coming year. And my soul delights in doing this. And you who are listening, you might have your own rituals as well. And I would love it if you share those with me. So you can call into the show at 646-378-0378 to let me know. Or you may want to try this ritual and then watch as one by one, you make your wishes come true in the new year. The way this ritual started in my family, we didn't do the strips of papers. That's how it ended up evolving with me in my own family. But my family, you know, with my parents and all that, what they used to do and I believe that this tradition is from Spain, is that they would wait until 12 midnight on New Year's Eve, and they would already have 12 grapes in a, in a wine glass 
and then they would pour champagne or sparkling wine. And so while you were drinking it, every time that you ate a grape, you would be making a wish for each of the 12 months, each of the months for the next year. So that was how I grew up. And then now what I do is I write the, the wishes for the next year in a piece of paper. Okay? So you may want to try this, or you may just come up with your, with your own ritual. So what this activity of inner reflection does is provides us with clarity as to how we feel, as to where we are in life, as to what is lacking, and to what we desire, so that we can take active steps or make the necessary changes to make our souls happier. Last year, somebody posted on Facebook that they had gotten a regular pickling jar, and throughout the year, they have filled it with strips of construction paper in which they had written anything, anything that happened, any person that they came across, any opportunity that they were grateful for. And then at the end of the year, they have read them all. And these have made a huge difference in their lives. So I have been doing this all year long. And now I cannot wait to read about all the wonderful experiences, opportunities, occurrences, and gifts that entered my life in 2017. So I encourage you to try doing this for the 2018 year. You will notice a huge shift within yourself just by beginning to do this throughout the year. What it does is that it changes our focus from what is going wrong in our life to noticing and thinking and expressing gratitude for the things that are good and that are showing up in our lives. And do you know what happens? We begin to get and experience more and more of those good things that we are noticing and expressing gratitude for because we're focusing on what is manifesting. What, what we focus on will manifest in our lives. Do you believe this? I do. So what is the definition of gratitude? It is the quality of being thankful, the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So what are the qualities of someone with a grateful heart? Well, they see the glass half full instead of half empty. They tell others how much their gestures mean to them and reciprocate in full as well. They know that we're all inhabitants of this beautiful planet and that we're here to share our experiences of life and to help each other so that they do not feel better than anybody else because they realize that at any time their life circumstances could change. And if they were rich at one point, they could become poor and vice versa. They're also aware of the fact that skin color is like a wrapping paper. So what does wrapping paper do? Well, we use it for wrap, wrapping gifts, right? But each one of us is a gift. And the color of our skin is only the wrapping covering our soul, the gift that we are to one another. So you see, being grateful requires an expansive heart and mind. It is all-inclusive rather than exclusive, and it delights in putting a smile in the faces and in the heart of others. So when we're feeling downtrodden, disappointed, hopeless, sad, 
afraid, etc., try to dwell for a few minutes, not on our actual conditions, but on the things, the people, the work, the opportunities that we're grateful for. So what you're grateful for does not have to be big. It could be just a simple step of switching our thoughts from sad, from lack, from fear, to thanking for the, being thankful for the things that we have, will have, when we do that switch, that will have an immediate effect in how we feel. A warmth will penetrate your heart and a smile will play on your lips and your whole mood will change. This is a very powerful practice that can be used anytime we're feeling sorry for ourselves. No matter how bad our circumstances, we can always find something or somebody to be grateful for. Don't you think? However, if anyone who is listening has lost a child or a loved one, I invite you to begin a morning and a night practice. This is a practice that I found extremely healing during my own journey of grief after the death of my son. Before getting out of bed in the morning, you can begin to bless your child or the loved one who died by dwelling your thoughts on the gift it was to have had them in your life for all the joy brought to you, for all the things that made him or her special. Take some time to reminisce about all the things that made your loved one special and bless them. Send them all the love you have for them and rest assured that where they are, they will receive it. This is a special type of giving that you will be doing for them, and it will help them even though they're in spirit form now. So that in this way, not only are you helping yourself by dwelling on the brilliance, the joy, the miracle, the gift that it was to have had your loved one, but your loved one will also benefit from it. What this will do for you if you decide to try it is that you will begin your day Consciously, by choosing to do this, you will begin your day with a full tank of love instead of the depleted tank you would have had you started your day by dwelling on what you had lost. Does this make any sense to you? The truth of the matter is that the more we dwell on a thought, the more of that we will have in our lives. So it follows that the more we dwell on what we have lost, the more feelings of emptiness we will experience. The more we choose to dwell on what we have and cherish that, the more full we feel and the better our mood will be as we face life. So let me make it clear about something. I'm not saying that we should squelch our feelings of sadness over loss. No. What I'm saying is that after crying our hearts out for one, two, or more years, We all reach a point when we know, when we feel deep in our gut that we need to do something else, something different, that we're not able to function in life. So that is the time when we can begin to dwell on the blessing that it was to have had our loved one, our child, for as long as we did. And when we can cherish all the memories of the times and experiences that we shared together. I hope that what I'm saying resonates with you. And if it does, or if it does not, 
feel free to let me know by calling into the show at 646-378-0378. I don't think as human beings we realize how powerful our thoughts are when it comes to creating our reality. As an experiment, I, I invite you to try this experiment tomorrow morning. Before you get out of bed, say to yourself, I feel full of energy, excited, filled with love, expansive, and inspired. Say this to yourself throughout the day. And after you get home from work, if you work, take stock on how you feel throughout the day. Is it different how you feel usually on a day-to-day basis? But it is. Without realizing it, when we begin the day thinking, I'm dreading to meet the meeting this morning, I don't know how my idea will be received, I don't have any energy, and I don't have time to make or get coffee, I wish I could stay home today. But that is exactly what materializes for us. (coughs) How different it would be if we were taught from childhood to pay attention to our thoughts and to be taught how to use our thoughts to create the life that we wish to have. Don't you think that there will be a lot less suffering, a lot less hurt, and a lot more happiness in this world? I definitely think so. But you can begin today by taking these words to heart and beginning to apply them in your daily life. You can even write down the way you want to feel every day on a sticky note and stick it to your bathroom mirror as a reminder. I would love to hear from you how doing this simple practice is affecting your life for the better. The way I see it is that gratitude is our bank of goodness, the bank we can count on when life is throwing all kinds of harsh things our way. We can go there and withdraw all sorts of wonderful memories, good experiences, and situations that make us smile at a time when we're feeling like crying. The gratitude jar I mentioned earlier can be your physical bank of goodness. You can retrieve any number of little strips of paper containing things you are grateful for, and in reading those, you will be helped as you weather life's rough winds. Another option for those of you who are listening and who like to write is to keep a gratitude journal. You can write in it daily or as often as you feel like it about the things, the people, the events, the opportunities, that you feel grateful for. And this is another powerful way of bringing more good things, inviting more good things, making space for more good things to enter your life. The longer and the more frequently that we dwell on thoughts, on any thoughts of good and happy things, the more we will attract more good and happy experiences into our lives. And if you don't believe me, try doing this in your own life and you will see the changes that will begin to happen. And I know that this is not as easy as it sounds because you know why? In our society, we're accustomed to this. Whenever two or more people get together, there is a lot of complaining about the weather, the stress, the job, the husband, the wife, the kids, the dog, the car, etc. And this is natural. Of course, you know, we're going to talk about the things that are affecting us. But when it becomes a habit that that's all you talk about, 
that is that is when when issues occur. So you have to agree that collectively spend more time commiserating about our lives than expressing gratitude for the things and the people that we have. Just pay attention to the things that you overhear other people say when you are, let's say, at a restaurant, and you will receive confirmation of these. So what to do? What can we do? Well, we can start by fully committing ourselves to changing, to reversing that habit, which means that we do not join in when others are complaining about things. Instead, we try to point out the positive as much as we can. And in our own interactions, we refrain from expressing negatively about our lives. And this is extremely hard. I know. But if we do this, and trust me, I still deal, you know, have difficulty with this. But what happens is that the way it feels to me is that when we're gathered with others, it feels like there is a magnetic force that makes us want to nod our heads in agreement when someone is complaining because we feel the need to support, to show support. But the truth of the matter is that, and let's think about this, we're not helping that person by doing that. No, no. We're actually feeding into a habit that will continue to bring that person more negative experiences. So do we want that for them? No. So I encourage you to begin to try doing this little by little. And if there's no problem, if you fail, if you find yourself joining in, you know, offering support and then, you know, talking about your own negative stuff that is happening, that's fine. But if you notice it, that is a step. That is one step forward. You are noticing that you are doing it. The next time you have the opportunity of maybe offering support to the person but not joining in with your own stuff that is happening, and then possibly the following time you will um, just kind of uh, put your hand on the shoulder of the person that is, you know, expressing negatively about their life and point out the positive things that are present in that person's life. You know, it's a step-by-step process, and it may take years, but the point is not to be hard on ourselves, to become aware and to be taking little baby steps to not only help ourselves, but even help others, okay? So one thing that I want to point out is that when we become aware and when we actively try to change our lives for the better, and when we're aware that we always have a choice, we have a choice of joining or not, this is what makes us feel empowered. And empowerment is a good thing, right? With empowerment, what, what comes with empowerment? Knowledge, wisdom, self-assurance that is not based on ego, but on confidence and self-knowledge. With empowerment comes letting go of worrying about what others think. And you know what happens? This brings to us a deep, a very, very deep sense of inner peace. With empowerment comes clarity about who we are, about what our gifts are, and about what we need to do while we're here on earth. So don't you want to feel empowered? I know I do. And I think, I suspect that so do you. So let me share with you a little story. It's a personal. I've always been a very confident person, even as a child. However, 
My parents did not understand this about me. They thought I was stubborn. My mother used to say, you were the, more, the most difficult of my children. There were five of us because you were so stubborn. And so they tried to squelch my voice, not on purpose, of course. But, you know, they were raised that you need to just do what your parents do. As a child, you need to do, your, you know, your, as a parent, you are the authority figure and they need to do whatever you tell them to do. They meant well and I'm sure. But as a result, at the tender age of 16, I ended up getting really sick with my thyroid. I developed hyperthyroidism. In hindsight now, I see that this illness was brought about struggle that I was experiencing between what my soul directed me to do, which was to give myself permission to express my truth and what was expected of me by my parents. So the thyroid is the area, is located in the area of the throat chakra. I don't know if you know anything about chakras, but they are energy centers that we have in certain areas of our body. And they are very sensitive. And so I became seriously ill in the chakra, the throat chakra, which is the, the one that has to do with your giving yourself permission to speak your truth. So my body could not take it. I had been born already empowered, but was being disempowered, and I was not having it. So fast forward six years later, I met a man in, in, while I was in college, and I married him just after graduating. I did not know then anything about why I had gotten sick or about the chakras, but what happened was that I gave my power away to that first young man who whispered in my ear, I love you. Consciously, I thought I was empowered, but I was not, as you can see when you pay attention to my actions. So fast forward. 15 years later, as I was in the process of divorcing that same man, I was taking then an empowering step towards my happiness and well-being. But guess who was totally against my doing so? You guessed it, my parents. Luckily, I knew deep in the core of my being that that was a step that my soul needed to take in order to continue to grow because I was with someone who did not want to or could not take the necessary steps for his growth. And that is not conducive to happiness, and I realized it. So I went ahead with the divorce with the disapproval of my parents and family. But you know something? The time comes in all of our lives when we need to give ourselves the permission to live the life in our life in the way that we see fit. Our parents, our friends, our grandparents, they may not have given themselves the permission to do so in their lives. And when we look at their lives closely, do we see exultantly happy people? Mostly no, I bet. So the message that I want to bring home to you today is that we're meant to live big lives filled with happiness and joy. We are not meant to settle for an okay life. It is because we have been conditioned by our society and our family to settle. Okay? My encouragement to you is to take active steps to free yourself from living 
for others because it is when we live our life for ourselves out of self-love, not out of selfishness, which is what society would like you to believe, that is when you can truly make a difference in the lives of others. But how so? Well, with your happiness, with your joy, with your freedom, you will inspire others to follow in your footsteps. And wouldn't that be wonderful to be a source of inspiration to others? Does this make sense to you? Do you want this for your life? You can do this. I'm telling you right now, you can. But in order to do so, it all begins with you taking the first step to get in touch with yourself. So as souls, when we enter our body to be born in this physical world, we are unwounded. But as we live and experience hurts, we begin to gather wounds. And these wounds pile up on top of each other to the point that they become a great, big, and heavy carapace that we carry wherever we go. And most of the time, we're just doing all we can just to make it there today, to survive. So we don't stop to think about what we went through during our childhood, our adolescence, our young adulthood. And because we don't do that, and it's not because we don't want to, but because nobody has taught us this, then we have all these blocks that don't allow us to move forward in life. And it is necessary for us to heal those wounds that we have been carrying in order to lighten our load, the load that our energetic body has been carrying for years so that we can make space, make space for all the good things that we want to manifest in our lives. And don't you want wonderful opportunities, wonderful windfalls of money, wonderful ease in your relationship, wonderful appreciation showed to you at work? Most people want that in their lives, but it's not going to happen magically. No. We must do the work so that the space can be opened for those wonderful things experiences and people that we decide to materialize, that we desire to materialize in our lives to come in. So it is because I know this from my own personal experience of healing that I'm offering a free eight-day emotional feng shui challenge that will start tomorrow, December 1st, and it will end on Friday, December 8th. What this challenge will do is that it will give people a taste of what it will feel like to begin to heal some of those wounds that they have been carrying and what will you feel like to work with me, if they so choose, for the full eight-week emotional feng shui one-on-one coaching that I offer. Now, since we're on the subject, let's talk a little bit about feng shui. It's an age-old Chinese practice that is based on, a, on the idea that our homes are a mirror happening inside us. So the purpose of feng shui is to get your environment in alignment with who you are and where you want to go. So to harmonize your energy with your home's energy. It encourages people, feng shui, to get rid of the clutter that they have in their homes or their work environment in order to make space energetically for better things and for opportunities to come. 
So in the emotional shui challenge that I am offering, I will help people begin to become aware of the wounds they have in carrying, provide practices that they can use for healing, help them become aware of their thoughts and what they are creating with them so that they can change their reality, provide them with healing meditations, and help them create a mini vision board for the life they want to be living in six months' time. So just as in traditional feng shui, we get rid of the clutter that is blocking our energetic physical space in order to bring good things into our lives, when we do emotional feng shui in ourselves, we can begin to get rid of the clutter, create all the wounds, the feelings of hurt, all of those things that we have been carrying for years in order to unblock our energetic field so that then we can make room for, to experience good things in our life. And this is a very powerful challenge. We have the potential of opening the eyes of anyone who participates in it so they can turn their lives around for the better. I'm extremely excited about offering it, and I hope that if it resonates with you, that you will join me come December 1st, just tomorrow. So if you're interested, you can go to my Facebook page, which is Spirit Whispers with Selene, and scroll down to find my free eight-day emotional feng shui challenge offer. The link, the link will be within the post. And if you cannot find it, just feel free to message me, and I will send it to you. Do you know something? I'm truly getting in touch with the fact that we are living during a very special time. This is a time of collective awakening, and it is that collective awakening that will change our current world for the better. I firmly believe this, and I hope you agree with me. So one of the things that makes me most excited about this time is that more and more spiritual teachers are being made available to us And what they have to teach is more and more deep. Why? Because this is the time. We're ready now. So do not question yourself. If you feel drawn to a book at the bookstore, if you feel drawn to a teacher, to a class, (coughs) excuse me, to a spiritual fair, you name it, what this means is that you are ready. Your teachers are making themselves known to you. Have you ever heard the phrase, when the student is ready, the teacher appears? Well, the teacher does not have to be in physical form. No. The teachings can come in the form of a book, a pamphlet, a class that popped up on Facebook or in the Internet, a yoga class offer. In, in any way, I will share with you my most inspiring teacher. Don Miguel Ruiz, I don't know if you have heard, you know, but um, probably about 10 years ago, he came out with his third book that was a huge bestseller, and the, the title of the book is The Four Agreements. And then a few years later, he wrote The Fifth Agreement. Well, reading those two books really opened my eyes to a different way of living and of looking at life, and I'm so appreciative of his mentoring. So you see, my teacher came in the form of books. I never met him or gone to a workshop, but I learned so much. I tell you, the most important thing is never doubt yourself when you feel what I call a nudge. 
that's something in your gut that tells you that you need to pay attention, that you need to pick up that flyer, that you need to just grab that book, you know, that you need to write down that idea, okay? Follow it because that is how the divine, the angels, and God communicate with us. But we must be able to recognize those nudges, and we cannot do that unless we make time to stop all the activity in our lives and make room for silence because it is when we are quiet that we're able to get in touch with how we're feeling and what we need, what might be worrying us, or get ideas as to how to improve our lives. You see? Does this make sense? So have you been making time for reflection, for getting in touch with your feelings? If not, it's never too late. You can start today. And if you have been taking time to meditate, and this meditate is just taking time to just be quiet and reflect or to just be. And if you are having doing that and are feeling some of those, have been feeling some of those nudges recently, then I would love to hear all about it. Call me. Call the show and, and share. The number is 646-378-0378. But why is it hard for us, I wonder this, I wonder about this sometimes, to make time for ourselves? Well, life is hard. We get overwhelmed. But there's another reason besides that, and that is that we don't want to get in touch with anything that might be painful, make us cry. And sometimes the realizations that we receive while we are in the silence, bring up with them painful memories. So it is understandable that we avoid it like the plague. But by avoiding it, what happens? We end up paying a very costly price. Our happiness is compromised. And if we're not happy, this translates into not being able to make others happy. So there is a snowball effect to this. You get the idea, right? So that's why I can't stress, stress enough how important and how valuable it is for us, for our lives, when we decide to make a commitment to get in touch with ourselves, with who we are, what we stand for, what we desire, how we're feeling, and what we want in life. But we can only do this if we go, if we make time to go into the silence, in the silence. And what do I mean by this? We don't need to sit cross-legged legged on the floor saying, um, no, all we need to do is take a walk alone with our thoughts, preferably in nature, or sit on the porch while looking at the trees or the stars or the sky, or sit in bed alone and ask yourself all those questions. See what it comes up. You might be surprised or touched or sad, but you will come out knowing yourself better. And with that knowledge, you will have a clearer and a stronger sense of direction as to what steps you need to take to improve your current life condition. And you know what else? You will feel empowered. Because when we listen to our inner compass, which is how I call our intuition, that is how we feel. We're listening to the wisdom of spirit. But on the other hand, when we listen to the fearful thoughts that crowd our minds, we give our power away, and we feel lost, and we feel confused. Does this sound like something that you may have experienced? 
I know I have experienced this in the past, and still sometimes that happens. But in particular, I experienced that when it came to romantic relationships. All of that changed, though, as soon as I got in touch with my intuition by making time to let it inform me and guide me in life. You can also do this in your life. Trust me that you can. If I did it, so can you. So, so you can, one thing that you can do is to keep a journal, just like a little notepad by the bedside to write down any insights, any answers to questions, ideas you get after being in the quiet. Okay, you can, this is what you can do. You can, before you go to bed, before you turn out the, turn out the light, you just, in your head, you can ask any questions. Ask them, you know, ask God any questions. Ask the angels any questions. Ask the universe any questions. And then just go to sleep with that. And in the morning, before you actually jump out of bed, write down any ideas, thoughts, anything that comes to your mind. And you will be surprised by the fact that you're making time, that you're asking the questions and all that, by how the insights that will you receive, tremendous insights, tremendous ideas, tremendous guidance that will help you in your life, okay? I know that for me, I received most of my messages, guidance, and ideas first thing in the morning as soon as I wake up, okay? I know for some people that I know, it is right before they go to bed that they get all the insights. So it, it, it depends, you know, because we're all different, right? But these insights, ideas, are always right on target, and they're always loving and supportive. So that's how you know that you are allowing spirit to help you, to communicate with you, and to guide you in life. I wish for you to experience this firsthand, so I hope that you're listening closely. Life can be hard, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can take steps to make it easier, lighter and happier. We truly can. This is, this is true no matter what is happening in our lives. It could be that someone we love dearly just passed away, or we lost our job, or we just experienced a grave disappointment with a close friend. It could be any number of things. But the key or the keys to living a magnificent life is, number one, to work diligently to shed our fears that we have. And number two, to let go of the illusion that we have any control over our lives. Because we, we must be like a leaf that is floating on the river of life without any worry as to where it is going or what might happen along the way. Because that leaf trusts completely on the river that is carrying it. And this is supremely difficult to achieve, to live our lives like that, because we're not spirit. We're not in the spirit uh, form. We are spiritual beings, but we're having a physical experience. And so while we're in the body, this is extremely difficult to do. But I had, in my case, I had like an awakening as a, as a result of losing my son. So, but I, let me tell you, I will share about that um, awakening just in just a few moments. But first, I want to just tell you that this is not what, you know, most people believe. Most people believe that we have control over our lives. But what I mean is this. It is an illusion. 
when my son was diagnosed with leukemia, I got in touch with this realization that we human beings, we are like little gnats, and we're flying, believing that we're never going to die until the moment when the windshield of the car of life hits us and splat, we're gone. Now, this is a dangerous way to live, to be deluded about our own mortality, because unlike the gnats, we must always be aware of the fact that tomorrow is not guaranteed and that we must live intensely and fully aware of this so that we can express our feelings to those whom we love so that we do not put off for tomorrow what we can do today so that we do not wait until our retirement to fully live because retirement may never come so that we can fully embody the lives that we came into this world to live. So do you see what I'm saying? We did not come to this world to suffer. We came to face the painful events, the struggles, and the difficulties that show up in our lives. We need to face them square on, and we need to use them as stepping stones towards our greater spiritual growth. So as a result of my, my son's death, I realized, geez, you know, one day he was healthy. We went to bed the next morning. He's diagnosed with leukemia. I realized, you know, from now on, as a result of this experience, I am not going to just say, oh, oh, you're going to go to work. Oh, bye. No, you're going to go to work. Come over here. Give me a kiss and a hug. I love you. I love you. Okay? I don't know what's going to happen during the day if that person is going to come back. And this is not morbid. This is just realistic. Okay? We suffer a lot when we lose someone because we have not lived with this um, intense way of looking at things. That is not morbid. It's just the way it is. It doesn't matter whether you're good or bad. Something can happen at any time. So you, if you see your friend and she looks awesome in a beautiful purple top, you don't say, well, I'll, I'll tell her today later. No, tell her right then. You look absolutely beautiful. You are radiant today. You don't put off anything like that. If you wanted always to go to Hawaii and you're saying, well, maybe um, five years from now after I retire. No, I start saving right now. Happen now. Do it now. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The present, just today, we have to live it. And that was the lesson that I learned from the loss of my son. You know, and I'm sharing that with you, you know, for, for that reason. Okay? So we learn, we came here in this world to learn how to be spiritual beings inside a spiritual body and to become even better spiritual beings by going through the lessons that life throws at us. Do you agree? And this is hard. I mean, this is just um, extremely, extremely hard to do, but it's not impossible to do. It isn't. We can. We can become empowered. We can become empowered by, by first becoming self-aware. And then once we become self-aware, then we'll, you know, <clears throat> through reflection and all that, then we open the door to get in touch with our intuition. And then we open the door to living a life where we're guided by, you know, the spiritual wisdom of God, the angel, the universe, this whatever you believe in. And that is a magical life. That is a life that is... Um, it has a lot more peace, it has a lot less fear, and it has a lot more of a sense of wonder, okay? 
So at this point, what I would like to do is to summarize um, what I, some of the points I have been making um, on the show so far. So the first thing that I did was I began talking about the seasons and how they affect the way that we feel. And I shared that during the fall and the winter seasons, I, I welcome the opportunity to reflect more as the world quiets down. And that, that taking the time to reflect can be very fruitful because it can help us get in touch with the feelings that are there but we are not allowing to surface because we're keeping ourselves so busy. So I encourage you to make time. It doesn't take a long, it doesn't take much time. Just a few minutes a day in the morning, a few minutes a day at night. And you can just do even just one minute, just one thought. That still is an improvement over not taking any time at all. Okay? I also talked a little bit about a... a like some rituals that we can do to help us um, kind of transform uh, the things that show up in our lives. And uh, it could be um, like writing down in like strips of paper the, the things that you want to experience um, during the coming year. Like on the coming New Year's Eve, you can take some time to reflect before midnight and write down a piece of paper um, you could just write down, you, you could just write 12, you know, one for each month, the things that you want to bring into your life. When you do this, you are, you are offering an invitation to the universe, to God and to the angels, to bring those to you, okay? You can do that. But also, I talked a little bit about having gratitude and what a powerful thing it is for us to... <coughs> cultivate a sense of gratitude on a daily basis and we can just do develop the ritual of having a jar a gratitude jar and just writing down the things that we're grateful for as they happen in our lives and feeling it you know so you start you can start like uh, new year's day the first day of the year and then you start as things pop up in your life you write down and feel it and then at the end of that year you can read all of the wonderful things that happen to you as you reflect back on, on the year. And what happens with that is that we fill our hearts with such, um, the gratitude is, is like a magnet. It's not a magnet that brings more things to feel grateful for. And so um, it is a very symbolic but very powerful ritual to, you know, to, to use in our day-to-day life. And uh, with gratitude, that feeling of gratitude opens our hearts and it's expansive. And that opens the door to wonderful things to come for us. So we can use gratitude also to help us heal when we're grieving the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. So I shared a little bit about the um, blessing, blessing the child, blessing your child that passed away or your loved one. And in my life, I used this when I was uh, grieving the loss of my son, and I would just bless the fact that I did get to have him for the eight years that I did, and for the many ways in which he enriched my life, and the many lessons of love and beautiful memories that he left me with. So when we consciously decide to dwell on what we have or what we have had, 
rather than on what we no longer have, we create open space in our hearts for healing to take place. So that is the reason I encourage you to try the practice, this practice if you're grieving the loss of a child or of a loved one. So another thing that I did was to talk about the fact that we don't realize and society is not, doesn't teach us um, about how powerful our minds are when it comes to creating our life experiences. I talked about the thoughts that we dwell on day in and day out. They create experiences that we have, the life that we have. And that is why it's so important for us to become aware of the kind of thoughts that we're having. And so once we do that, we can do something about it. And it's not easy to do. It isn't. Because as a society, we have gotten into the habit of getting together to complain about our lives. And when we're together, you know, we all feel the need to support the person who is doing the complaining. And so we end up, what do we end up doing? We end up adding to the negativity that person is generated. And we're not helping but adding to the problem. So it is key. It is key that we consciously stop and we stop the negative conversations that take place around it. And if we cannot stop, you know, we can, I guess we cannot stop them. Yeah, we cannot. But we can either point out, try to shift it towards more, more positive comments or experiences. And if that doesn't work, we can always walk away. That is empowerment. Empowerment lies in being aware of what's happening, trying to do something about it, and then choosing to step away to remove ourselves from the negativity. Okay, you see how that can feel empower, empowerment? Yes. And the last thing that I discussed was the, the ancient practice. It's a Chinese practice of feng shui and how it encourages people to clear the clutter from their home or their office in order to open space energetically for good things to happen, for abundance, for opportunities, for, um, for anything that we wish, okay? So we human beings, we live with cluttered emotional bodies. We do. We have been carrying wounds since childhood, adolescence, young childhood. And, and those wounds have not been looked at or healed and are weighing us down and not only are they weighing us down, but they're also blocking us from experiencing the life that we dream to have. And so because of this, I'm offering uh, a free eight-day emotional feng shui challenge um, on Facebook, and we can begin to change your life for the better. Um, it begins tomorrow, and it ends on Friday, December 8th. It's, a, it's, a, it's simple. It's not going to require a lot out of you uh, because it's just eight days. But each day you will receive um, a live stream with guidance as to what we're trying to work on that day and something that you can do during that day. It could be something that you write down or, you know, you, it'll take time for you to reflect and things like that. And depending on as things are opening up, we will also offer like healing meditations to help you with those, and then in the end, it offers, um, you know, guidance to create a, a mini, like a vision board, uh, where you can just put in there how you want your life 
to be six months from now? It's a very powerful um, challenge that was that um, he uses some of the um, the practices and tools that I use in my emotional feng shui uh, one-on-one coaching that I that I offer that lasts eight weeks, not eight days. You know, so if you are interested in this, you can join. You can join the group, and all you need to do is you can go to my Facebook page, which is Spirit Whispers with Selene, and look for the post. You scroll down to find the post on the Emotional Feng Shui Challenge, and you will see there the link. But if you don't find it, you can just send me a message via Facebook, and I will send you the link to the group to join, okay? And I would love it if you do, if you join me. It's going to be really um, a life-changing experience. But if you would like to know more about me and what I do, you can also go to my website, which is www notyourusualgriefbook.com or email me directly at author at yahoo.com. So what I usually do towards the end of the show is that I use a deck of cards called Messages from the Angels, and it was created by Doreen Virtue. And it is what it says when you look at the little guidebook that it comes with. It says... Um, what messages from the angels, what your angels want you to know. So as you, some of you know, I'm an angel intuitive. And uh, I really, really uh, find that using angel cards is a very powerful tool to help us connect with our intuition. And so I, I used it and it really helped me get in touch with it because intuition is kind of like a nebulous thing that is kind of hard to grasp. And um, what happened was that when I first started using the cards, you know, shuffling the cards, I wasn't in touch with um, when did I need to stop shuffling. And so I just shuffled and then I stopped at some point and got the cards. And then the cards didn't really fit in. The messages that they brought didn't really fit in with what I was feeling or what I needed to hear. But as I continued doing it, then um, there's just like a gut feeling and that's your intuition that tells you now you need to stop. You need to stop now. And then when I would get the cards, they would be like, right. They are always now right, right on point, you know, right. Just, I just have to say my heart feels with gratitude for the guidance, the affirmation, the encouragement that I receive with the messages now. So anyways, the, what I do for this one is I just, as I'm shuffling, usually what happens is that um, a card will jump, will jump out. So today, this card jumped out, and the name of the angel is um, Serena. And so she has a message for all of you who are listening uh, to carry with you throughout the week. Okay, so this is what she says. I'm the angel of abundance. You will receive the money that you need, and God is in charge of how that will happen. Have faith. And so there is a longer part of the message, and it is, God is the source of all of your good. Release all of your cares and worries to me, and I will bring them directly to God. The more that you surrender this situation to heaven, the more open you become. Your openness like outstretched arms, welcomes the gifts that we bring you. 
When you worry, however, it closes you down. It then becomes more difficult for us to deliver your gifts. You don't notice your gifts or you push them away. God's infinite creativity means that your financial support will come in unexpected ways. One of the reasons why you worry is because you don't know how your money will be delivered. You can release these worries by completely relying on God's wisdom and care. Notice your repetitive thoughts, feelings, and ideas. They are our way of communicating divine guidance to you. As you follow these divine directives, your supply comes to you on the wings of angels without delay or reservation. The more that you can relax and trust, the faster we can bring these gifts your way. So it is not surprising that uh, this is the message that you got today because it is completely aligned to what I was talking about. Remember when I was talking about the leaf that is floating on the river and doesn't need to know how, where, how is it going to get to the destination and what's going to happen? This is really, um, and this is really what this angel, Serena, is telling all of us today, that when we worry, we close the door to opportunities, to guidance, to, to anything good coming in our lives. Letting go of worry and trusting that we have unseen forces um, that are just waiting for us to ask and trust so that they, they can shower us with their gifts. That is the message that they have, that they have for you today. And so part of the emotional feng shui challenge that I offer with uncluttering the fears and the worries that we're carrying, because as human beings, that's what we do, and it's a habit. When we learn to heal some of the, the causes for the worries, some of the causes for the fears, and we can heal those, then we unblock, we unblock ourselves from from good things and opportunities to come into our lives. And this is why I'm offering this for you, to help you, okay? So I will be with you next Thursday at 10, and I, I, I would love to hear from you at any time, okay? Take care.